Well, good morning. Surprised me. I'd never seen that before, so <laughs> kind of surprised me. How are you all? Well, happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers or spiritual mothers. Um, I also want to acknowledge those of you who are maybe, this isn't the greatest day. Um, we're sensitive to your pain. We know that this can be a hard day if your mother has passed away or um, if you're estranged from her or you're estranged from your children or you've lost a child or you um, have not become a mother and you want to. We just want to acknowledge your pain and um, tell you that God is good and today's word is going to be really specific for you. Amen? So I have a question for you. What is the most popular chapter in the Old Testament? Anybody have any ideas? What's the most common, the most well-known? That's right, some of you got it. The 23rd Psalm. Believers and non-believers alike know the 23rd Psalm, right? This is not just for the church anymore, amen? We're doing a new series. We're starting, we're kicking off a new series called Psalms, A Playlist for Life. Because you know that Within the Psalms, the book of Psalms is right smack dab in the middle of the Bible, and it's 3,000 years old, but it still amazingly applies to everyday life. It's unbelievable how many times I have picked up a Psalm and started to read it, and I thought, he wrote this for me. This was specifically written about my circumstance. And my fear in bringing this particular psalm today is that you, you'll shut off and you'll say, I already know that one. I'm telling you, this psalm is rich with revelations of who Jesus is, because Jesus is our good shepherd, right? So we're going to dig in. Now, I memorized this um, under the New King James Version, so I would like to ask if you wouldn't mind, those of you joining us online, you can do this too, if you wouldn't mind standing um, Richard, do you have the uh, New King James version of this one? Could you put that up? Okay, New King James. So we all know King James is the old King James, the 1600s. And how many of you still speak like that? How many of you still talk in King James? You use these and thous and beseechest and all of those. Yeah, we don't. We don't talk like that. And that's the reason that we use different translations, because actually some of the words in the King James are archaic. We don't know what they mean. And the whole point of reading the Bible is to understand it and to be transformed by it. So that's why we, we typically read a, a newer version. They're all really accurate. But today we're going to start, we're going to read this one in the New King James, and then we're going to kind of break it down in the New Living Translation. Sound good? Okay, so would you mind standing as we read this together? This is probably the version that most of you have learned before. So here we go. Ready? Go. The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. Say it out. He makes me, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless, bless your word today. Father, I ask for these beloved people that you would speak your word. Speak something so profound and life-changing and specific to whatever it is that they need today, that they would see that you provide everything we need in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. Thank you so much. So now we're going we're gonna to start breaking this down. In the New Living Translation, which is the version that we're, we're using this year, we're going through most of the scriptures in the New Living Translation. And so, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, this doesn't mean a whole lot to us, does it? I mean, how many of you know a shepherd? Anybody know a shepherd? And I'm not talking in the spiritual sense, like, like a legit, that's their job. Anybody? Wow, two people. That's crazy. Anybody else know a shepherd? <laughs> like, I mean, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. There's tons of, of uh, farmers and everything, and I knew a lot of farmers who had sheep, but I didn't know anybody who was a shepherd. Like that encapsulated everything they did. So when the word of God says, the Lord is my shepherd, what David is saying, David is the one who wrote this. Now David was a shepherd before he got called into ministry. He was out in the field keeping watch. He was watching the flocks. But he understood what this term meant. Shepherd means that is all they do. They focus on you. I want you to break this down in your own mind. The Lord is your shepherd. He is 100% focused on you. He is completely focused on you and on loving you, and pouring out, and for providing for you in every way. That's why I thought today, you know, we're starting, we're starting the Psalms. There's 150 of them. We're not going to cover all of them. But I thought, I want to start with this one, first of all, because it's the most common. But second of all, I think this one encapsulates motherhood, too. This one, this one describes, there's a lot of similarities between a shepherd and a mom. I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage God and, you know, make God like us. But what I'm trying to say is there are a lot of characteristics that shepherds have that mommies have too. The Lord's my shepherd. He is focused on me. He's completely watching over me. He's providing for all of my needs. He is, he is concerned about me. It says, I have all that I need. Now, God provides for everything, doesn't he? The Bible says he has provided for all of our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. God provides for everything we need. How many of you would say God doesn't provide for everything you want? Does, is there anybody here? You're, God just, he, no matter what you ask for, he just, he's like that that slot machine in the sky, whatever you pray, boom, that's yours. Okay, and we're going to explain why that is today as we, as we break this scripture down. We're going to talk about why is it that God doesn't give us everything we want. He gives us everything we, what? 
He provides for us. The main provisions, the, the one thing that I kept seeing in this particular psalm is he provides rest. How many of you just need a good nap? <laughs> you know, the Bible says that, that the Lord grants sleep to those he loves. I, I've argued with him about that one because I'm not a good sleeper. I don't sleep great. I'm like, you mad at me? <laughs> why, why can I not sleep? So, but God provides sleep for those he loves. God provides physical rest. And he also provides the rest of Sabbath. It's a gift. Sabbath is a gift. You think about when the Israelites came out of slavery, God said, okay, I'm going to give you this new gift. This gift is that you're going to get to take a day off from work. Woo! Do you guys take a Sabbath? Don't answer this. Okay, well, yeah, you can answer because you said yes. <laughs> so many people don't. And the Bible says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, eating the bread of toil. So many people think, oh, I've got to work, 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 work. I've got to work seven days a week. That is so contrary to what God has for you. He wants you to rest. He wants you to take a day and rest and not work. You know, there was a guy that, that was working on our house. He was a construction worker. He was remodeling our house in California. And one day, um, uh, my husband said, what are you going to do today? Because it was, it was Sunday. And he goes, oh, I'm probably going to go to church. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to work. And my husband goes, huh, you must want to get behind. Get that? <laughs> because that's the thing. It's counterproductive. It's counterproductive to work seven days a week. I hope some of you are convicted right now by the Holy Spirit. I hope some of you who had plans to go home and get, get on your laptop and start working, I hope that you realize that the, the gift of Sabbath is exactly that. It's a gift. God provides this. He provides Sabbath. It's, it even made his top 10. Okay? That means it's a big deal. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, okay? He provides everything we need physically, everything we need spiritually. It's talk, it talks about spiritual rest, entering into the rest, resting from our works, resting from a work salvation, thinking we have to work our way to being saved. We enter into his rest. He provides water for us. He is the living water. He's the bread of life. He provides everything we need. We are the primary focus of the sheep. Now, let's talk about sheep for a minute. What, what do you know about sheep? Okay, there's four things about sheep that we need to know. Okay, they're dumb. They have a bad reputation. They are definitely not the brightest bulbs on the tree. What else do we know about sheep? Oh, they don't, they don't, I did not know that. They don't see, well, it's probably because they have so much wool in their eyes. <laughs> okay, so they're not very smart. What else about them? They're dependent. They're completely dependent. Now remember, we, over 200 times in the Bible, are compared to sheep. God compares us to sheep. I'm not saying God's saying we're dumb. <laughs> anyway, we're dependent. <laughs> Let's go with the dependent. What else about sheep? They're defenseless. I mean, what's a sheep going to do if something comes after it? I mean, you know, porcupines can shoot their quills and skunks can spray their nasty whatever and you know tough animals can chew somebody what is a sheep gonna do <laughs> right 
A sheep can just stand there and do literally nothing. Sheep are defenseless. Okay, what else about sheep? They're dirty. They're filthy. They, you know, any cat owners here? What, what does your cat do literally all day long? Cleaning themselves all day long, right? You don't ever see a sheep do that. Sheep just stand there. Dust just collects on them. And you think about it, in the fields, they just get completely disgusting. They get completely filthy. So the four things about sheep, they're dependent, they're dumb, they're defenseless, and they're dirty. Okay? All we like sheep. We are all like sheep. We have gone astray. And here it says, he lets me rest in green meadows. The shepherd takes the sheep to the meadows and lets them rest there. That's a beautiful thing. Grass represents peace. It represents lying down in peace. Verse 2, it says, he leads me beside peaceful streams, peaceful waters. Again, he provides rest. Sheep will not lie down unless there are some certain conditions met. The conditions that need to be met is they cannot have any fear. If a sheep has any fear, it will not lie down. Another thing about sheep is that they have to be in good standing with one another. Like if there's any contention, because apparently sheep do bite. If there's any contention among the sheep, they won't lie down. They need to be free from being tormented by bugs or whatever, vipers or whatever torments, parasites. Sheep will not lie down if they're being tormented in any way. Now remember, this is a comparison to us. So you think about this. We won't rest either, will we? If we're, if we're in fear. You know how hard it is to go to sleep if you're terrified? I mean, I don't know about you, but if you hear that sound in the middle of the night, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to. No. You're, you're vigilant, right? Same with sheep. You're not going to lie down. How many, of, how many of us have stayed awake at night because we have relationship issues? Yeah? Laying awake, stressing out about how to reconcile with someone. Same thing with sheep. How about if we're being tormented, spiritually tormented? I, I want to say this, and I don't want to mince words at all. We have an enemy. There is an enemy who prowls around like a lion, seeking to devour us. To deny, you know, the devil wants us to do one of two things. Either he wants us to focus too much on him, or he wants us to deny that he even exists. But he torments us. He lies to us. That's his main, that's his main MO. He's a liar. He's the father of all lies. And he torments us. Sheep will not lie down if they're, um, if they're hungry. Some of us probably should lie down even when we're hungry. <laughs> Any night eaters? <laughs> night eaters, that's a, I love to eat at night, but it's so bad for your health. <laughs> but those are the things. But, but the Lord provides rest beside peaceful streams. Have you ever taken a nap or, or laid down? I love to go up into the mountains and just listen to the waters, the stream, or even the roaring rivers. There's something about that, but that peaceful, that sound. 
A lot of people have that app on their phone. They sleep to that peaceful sound of just peaceful waters. As opposed to, you know, when you, when you uh, go into the ocean, have you, has anybody ever done scuba diving? That's one of my bucket, have you really? That's one of my, that's one of my bucket list things. I want to try that. But when you get to the bottom of the ocean, what's it like down there? What's it like down there? It's quiet, peaceful, dark, and there's a lot of pressure. You know, there are so many animals that the Lord created for the bottom of the ocean that can't, they don't even have eyes. What do they need eyes for? It's completely black down there. And some of us, when we go through hard times, we go through trials, we feel like we're in that, the depths. You know, even that scripture, out of the depths, I cry to you, oh God. Out of the depths. It's like that. It's dark. There's so much pressure. You can't see anything. But I promise you, he's going to bring you up to the surface and you're going to be able to breathe again. Hold on. Hold on. I love all the water analogies in the Bible, but he lets us lie down by peaceful streams. This is something that Jesus offers us. He is the prince of peace. He wants us to have peace even when we're going through hard times. Okay, moving on. Number three, verse three. He renews my strength. Or like it says in the New King James, he restores my soul. How many of you, like, let's say you take a trip to Costco. I, I am a, I'm definitely a Costco addict. I'm not, I don't get paid by them. Sorry, Sam's Club. <laughs> but when you go to your pantry and it's completely empty, and then you make that run to Costco, and you come home with all of your food, and you restore your pantry. That's what Jesus does for us. He restores our soul with peace and joy and hope and mercy and love. He restores our soul. He, he renews our strength. Like it says in Isaiah 40, if you wait on the Lord, again, if you're in the depths of the ocean, out of the depths, if you're in that place right now, if you wait on the Lord, he will renew your strength. You'll mount up as a, on wings as an eagle. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and you won't faint. The, the fact is that he is the one who can restore us. There's nothing, there's no amount of Netflix. There's no amount of, of alcohol or drugs or even work or relationships or anything else that can fulfill us, that can restore our soul. The only thing that can restore our soul is whom? Jesus. Time with Jesus. Time in the word. Time in prayer. Just chilling with Jesus, just talking to him, sitting in his presence with no agenda, just, Lord, I'm going to sit before you. If you don't make a habit out of that, I just strongly recommend. And, you know, a lot of people say you have to do it first thing in the morning. I think you have to do it whenever you're, you can and when you're available. 
to be 100% focused back on him. Amen? This is not to, not to condemn you if you don't do this, but if you don't, I strongly encourage you, make this a habit. You know, even, even people who don't believe in a, in a higher power or don't believe in God know that meditation or taking a time to rest and breathe and just sit and focus and think time is so healthy. But to sit in the presence of the king of the universe and let him renew your strength, let him restore your soul. It says, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. The Lord wants to lead and guide us. He wants to show us the way we should go. He wants to direct us on right paths. And when we get a little off, he brings us back to the right path. This, he gives us strength and wisdom. You know, when a, when a sheep would run away, or still, if a sheep has a habit of running away, and there are rogue sheep, you know, there are the sheep that they just want to escape for some reason, they're renegades. And they're, again, not super bright. But the ones that run away, a habit that shepherds do is they take one of the legs. Now, I know this is going to upset Peta, but they take one of the legs and break it and splint it, and then they put that little lamb around their neck. So that little lamb learns to be with the shepherd. And some of you are feeling like he's had to break your leg too but he's not doing it because he's mad. He's not doing it to punish you. He's doing it because he wants you to draw close to him. The closer that I've drawn to the Lord, I mean, the more I've suffered in my life, the more it has caused me to want to be with him. Again, that saying, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And if he's broken your leg and you're questioning his goodness, you're questioning his character, you're questioning how he could allow these things to happen, just know it's because he wants to carry you. He wants to carry you. That's what Jesus does. Verse 4, now, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't be afraid, for you are close beside me. This is talking about the depths. This is talking about hardship. It's not only talking about physical death. This is talking about going through trials, saying, I'm not going to be afraid because I know you're with me. I know you are sovereign. You created the universe in a word. I start my prayers out like that a lot when I'm desperate. Lord, I know you created the universe with just a word. I know I can trust you. You know, I heard a great quote this week. God is knowable, but he is incomprehensible. We don't know why he breaks our legs sometimes. We don't know why he lets us go to the the depths sometimes. We don't understand his ways, but we don't have to fear in the midst of it. If you're in a confusing season right now, or you're going through something and you're like, I do not get this. I cannot understand how a good God could let this happen to me. I just want to say, do not be afraid. 
fear not. He is with you. You know, and, and, and I'm sure that when the shepherd has to break the leg of that little lamb, I'm sure that is not a pleasant experience. You know, and it's like, remember when Billy said, Jesus lets those closest to him, Billy Calderwood, our supervisor, he lets those closest to him go through the hardest things, like Mary and Martha had to go through the death of Lazarus. Jesus was like their bestie. And he let them go through watching their brother die. Sometimes he lets us go through things, but it's not like he's standing there going, I'll show you. He weeps with you in the midst of it. He's weeping with you, even though he knows the outcome. It's like Siri and Kelly said last week, he is a God of compassion. Compassion means that his, his passion goes out to you. His heart goes out to you. His mercy goes out to you. It's not like he's, he, he sits there and just delights in watching you suffer. He is disciplining you because he loves you, which is, which is what, what we need. Even when we're walking through the darkest time of our life, he is there. He is near He is close to us. And then here it says, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I I wondered why do they need both a rod and a staff? Because it seems like the staff could be used for the same purpose. The staff is a long crooked, uh, you know, stick that's, that's used by the shepherds. It has that crook so that in case the sheep get stuck somewhere, they can hook them. Because sheep, again, not the brightest, they sometimes will get themselves in precarious situations and they have to be brought out. That's what the, that's what the staff will do. It will pull them out. It'll draw them out. The rod, on the other hand, is, is just like a short, kind of thick stick that's used to protect them, to beat animals down that try to come after them. This is what the Lord does. Remember, he's talking about Jesus is all of the things of the shepherd and we are the sheep. Yeah? Can you just say it with me? (laughs) The rod also is used to count the sheep. The sheep go, he watches them go under the rod. That's how he counts them. But it's also used for discipline purposes for the sheep. Because sometimes sheep don't understand logic. They need a little, little help. Just like when God disciplines us. It says if God, if God has never disciplined you, if you've never been disciplined by the Lord, you need to question whether or not you're truly a child of God. Because he disciplines us. Right, y'all? He disciplines us. He puts us through some stuff, and we do not like it. But he does it because of of his love, not in spite of it, because of his love. He does it. Okay, you're going to love this part. Richard, can you put up that picture? I want to show you something kind of not that. (laughs) This was Richard's face when I asked him to put up a picture of that. (laughs) Apparently, Richard is not going to be getting a pet snake anytime soon. Can you guys thank Richard for all of his hard work? He's the best. You're the best. This part I love. Okay, verse five. 
Okay, now this, this, is, this is where it says, you prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. If you have never seen Louis Giglio's sermon on don't let the enemy have a seat at your table, I highly, re- I love Louis Giglio. He has a sermon called don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And he does this whole thing. He comes out into the middle of the audience. He's got this whole, I, I would have liked to have done this, but it, it, it's pretty it's pretty elaborate, but he went like to the back of the church and had this big feast and he's sitting there eating and, and he showed this illustration of pulling up a chair and he goes, some of you have, have allowed the enemy to sit at the table with you. The one who comes in and says, you're not good enough. God's not pleased with you. God loves everybody, but mm, you, he's not so sure. All of these lies that the enemy comes and feeds us. We give him that place at the table, do we not? Sometimes, do we? Anybody else? I want to say again, if anything that you're hearing about yourself goes against anything that it says in here, it's a lie. And Satan, I believe that the the enemy of our souls uses our own voice to speak to us. We think it's self-talk, but it's demonic. So beware, do not give him a place at your table. Okay, back to the snake. Serpent. This is an adder, which means serpent. So when the shepherd goes into a field, they make the sheep stay outside of the field. I mean, the sheep want to just rush in. They see this verdant field. They want to run in and they want to start eating. But the shepherd has to go in before them. You guys have to see the spiritual implications of this. So the shepherd makes them wait outside of the field because there's these holes throughout the field. And, and the shepherd has to go and survey the land and pour oil on these holes because they're adder holes. And those guys want to come up. And what they'll do is while the sheep are grazing, they'll come up and bite them on the nose, which causes an infection often leading to death. Who else was a serpent? Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. The enemy, the tempter, the accuser came disguised as a, as an adder. He came dis- disguised as a, as a snake. Do you see the spiritual implication here? We want something right now. God, I, I want. You said you'd provide for all of my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. How come I'm not making more money? And God's like, just Wait. Because some of us, if God would have let us start making a bunch of money when we were not ready, it would have been a trip. It would have tripped us up. You know, it even says, it says, warn those who are rich in this present age not to put too much hope in their money, not to become arrogant, not to believe that their money is a thing that's going to save them. God has called us to be generous. He's called us to give sacrificially. He's called us to do all these things. And, and there are those of us, and if God would have allowed us to have everything we wanted right at that time, it would have been the destruction of our lives. Same thing with relationships, you know? Some people, they're like, I want to I wanna get married right now. Some of you are like, why did I get married? But, but some people are so desperate. Oh, no raising your hand, brother. <laughs> 
I mean, but some people are so desperate that they settle for somebody other than the one who God has for them, and they live a life of misery. I could, I could tell you so many horrible stories about people who did that. They idolized getting married rather than waiting outside of the field for God to go in and, to, and just look for the, the evil one's plans in their life and to thwart them with oil. Oil, again, represents the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an amazing analogy? But they call the field a table. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, the adders, the snakes, the evil one. Isn't that amazing? He protects us again. It says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're in a place right now and you're not feeling blessed, God does not define blessing the way we define blessing. Okay? He blesses us. Start looking for blessing. God defines blessing as us having spiritual maturity, perseverance, patience, character, all of these things that we don't want to have to go through anything to get. We just want to be patient without having to to be tested in it. It says, my cup overflows with blessings. Look for reasons to thank God. Look for reasons. You know, I went through a really hard time this week, and... I woke up in the morning. I'm just keeping it real, okay? I go through hard times too. Anybody else go through hard times? I woke up and I said, Lord, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't know how much longer I can. And all of a sudden I went, wait a second. That is the first thought to come into my mind? And I went, no. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And I said, this is a day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I am going to trust that my God is sovereign. My God is overall. My God is in charge. My God is, is completely in control of this whole situation. This darkness will not be darkness to God, but even the darkness is light to him. Amen? And take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Think about good things, right things, noble things, excellent, praiseworthy, all these things. Don't let your brain go south. And I'm not talking about St. George. (laughs) Don't let your brain go south. When you wake up and you have those thoughts like, oh, this day's going to suck, that is not what God's called us to. God's called us to rejoice and be glad, even, even in the midst of affliction, even in the midst of suffering. It says, it says, in hope, be patient in affliction. Rejoice. Look for reasons to bless God. Amen? And finally, verse 6. Such an amazing promise. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. His goodness and his unfailing love will pursue you. For those of you who have children who are not walking with the Lord now, and your heart is grieved and you're broken over it, God is pursuing them. 
God is pursuing them. The Holy Spirit, have you ever heard the saying, the hound of heaven? God is pursuing them. Let him. Just pray, just trust, just release those kids to the Lord. Put them on the altar. He's got this. God's got this. Can you say that back to me? God's got this. Say that again. Now I want you to think of your situation. Say it again. God's got this. Do you believe it? It's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? But he is sovereign. He is over all. And his goodness and his unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And ultimately, I get to go to heaven. I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever. You can actually start living in the house of the Lord with him today. You can be in his presence today where there's fullness of joy. Amen? There's fullness of joy in his presence. This is what he's called us to, even when we suffer, even when we struggle, even, you know, and and even if you're grieving, if you're going through grief, he even allows provision for that. He gives you the time to grieve. Let yourself grieve, but then understand that he is going to use his goodness and his unfailing love to pursue you, and you will live in the house of the Lord forever. I heard, I heard this week a uh, quote. They said that when we get to heaven, the first words out of our mouth are going to be, of course. Isn't that good? I always thought it was going to be, really? <laughs> that just shows immaturity. <laughs> of course. Because it says even when we don't see clearly, when we see him face to face, we're going to see clearly. We're going to see clearly. We're going to understand. How could you have broken my leg, Lord? How could you have allowed me to go to the depths? How could you have allowed that person to do that to me? How could you have allowed that, those things to happen? How could you have allowed my health to go this way? How could you have allowed me to go bankrupt? How could you have allowed these things? And when you get to heaven, you're going to go, of course. That's why. You might not even see it on this side, but you will see it. And we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. Yeah, let's applaud the Lord. That's good news. If you are someone and you have never met the shepherd, you're you're on your own, you're lost, you don't know what's going on, you're being attacked by vipers, adders. If, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, I want to give you that opportunity today. Please come and talk to me or, or talk to one of the other pastors or leaders around here. But please don't let another day go by without being covered and protected and provided for and blessed by the shepherd, by the shepherd of your souls. Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray over you. Well, Father, we just, we come before you and thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are our shepherd, Lord, that you are focused on us, that we are the primary focus of your heart, that you love us with an everlasting love and you have drawn us with your loving kindness. Jesus, thank you that you are the chief shepherd, that you are the the main shepherd and you look to us. God, with such affection, even though we're dirty and defenseless and kind of not smart. and 
Lord, we just, we cry out for your mercy, Lord. We ask that you would draw us close to you. Show us who you are, Lord. And if you need to break our legs, God, we, we give you permission. Do whatever it takes, Lord, to draw us close to you. Lord, make us desperate for you so that we can understand and know who you are and live and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I just pray for those who are struggling right now, who are going through hard times, who have a lot of questions, who, who have a hard time believing that you truly are good. They have a hard time believing that you're merciful or kind or that you even are focused on them. Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus for comfort. I pray for your mercy and your loving kindness to be upon them. Show them who you are. I pray that, that even as they open up the Psalms, Lord, you would speak specifically to their situation. And for those who are, who are um, going through a great season right now, Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you for the blessings. And I just pray, God, that you would just continue to draw us close to you. You are all we need, Lord. We need to be like Mary. We need to know you. There is no greater thing. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great day today. Try to go and get brunch early because it's going to be busy. Thanks for joining us online. Love you all. See you guys next week.